This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Here's the message. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. Okay, so I'm just going to read a a passage from Luke chapter 2. And then we're going to watch a a video by the skit team. And then Pastor Lydia will bring a word for us. So first of all, Luke chapter 2. And I'm reading from verses 8 through to 20. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in a swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the sayings that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying God and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Amen. If your church has been around long enough, they've probably got one of these hanging on their wall somewhere. It's a painting of a shepherd and a sheep. Well, lots of sheep. Uh, Beautiful green pastures, still waters. It's quiet, it's peaceful. It's all of that. But have you ever tried to steer a sheep? All right, time for dinner. Come back. No, it's okay. You guys, wait. We're friends. Why do you run? Hey, don't get smart out with me, all right? All right, someone's getting the shears. And if I'm to be honest, sheep, they're dumb. I don't know if you've heard, no, they're just not as smart as other animals. No, they're dumb. Like walk off a cliff just because it's there, dumb. All right, do you want me to take you out to pasture? Because I will take you out to pasture. No, no, come back. Karen, no, Karen, over here, over here. Goodness gracious, they're just stubborn. Skittish too, fearful little things. Oh, don't be like that. Do you want me to get the shepherd's hook? Do you want me to get the shepherd's hook? Hey, hey, I'm the one that feeds you. Hey, don't ignore me. 
think I get kids ministry now. Fine. I love you. You ever wondered why Jesus called us a sheep? Kind of a bitter pill to swallow, huh? But if we were to closely examine our lives, look at all the messes that we make, how fearful we are, how fickle and wayward we can, well, if I can just put it bluntly, how dumb we can be, we are sheep. Yeah, sheep. That's about right. <laughs> but thankfully, God sent us a good shepherd, someone who will be gentle with us when we are far from home, someone who will be firm when he needs to be. Doesn't it say everything that God picked shepherds to send the good news of Jesus' birth and that right there should remind us of his shepherd in ways right off the bat. That first Christmas, it was a sign of peace with God for all eternity. And our shepherd, he paid the price for that peace, the highest price. I don't know about you, but this Christmas, it means so much to me that I have a good shepherd. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you. I want to thank you that whether you're the pastor or a member of the congregation, you speak to your people through your worship, through that time of worship. You've already taken me on a journey. I feel like I've been to church and gone home again already. And I just, I want to pray right now that everything I say Lord God, is what you want to say to your people this morning. So we pray over this next 20, 30 minutes, and we just pray that you will speak to your sheep here in this place. Amen. Amen. Okay, so Mark explained last week how the shepherds were chosen to receive the good news of Jesus and that they rushed off to meet him in response. And what Mark explains so beautifully with that box of fruit, and if you haven't seen it, maybe watch back, um, that God chooses us. He carefully selects us like we pick fruit at the shop. And I just thought it was a beautiful picture of God choosing us. And we can respond like the shepherds. So it's not a mistake that I used the same reading Mark used last week, again this week, and you might hear it all Christmas, who knows. But have you noticed there are a lot of metaphors in Scripture? I never met a four I didn't like. Today's message will not be an English lesson, but just in case you need the language reminder, let's go for it. Here is the explanation of a metaphor from Grammarly.com, and Grandma knows best. So, I'm very punny at the moment. I'm sorry, I'm working on a pantomime. I'm very punny. And in fact, that reminds me to say, because I may forget, pantomime cast, if you can meet me at the back of the hall at the end of the service, that'd be very helpful. Thank you very much. Okay, so, sorry about all the puns. We'll keep going. There's more. <clears throat> okay, a metaphor. 
What is a metaphor? It's a figure of speech that describes an object or action in a way that isn't literally true, but helps explain an idea or make a comparison. Here are the basics. A metaphor states that one thing is another thing. It equates those two things, not because they are actually the same, but for the sake of comparison or symbolism. So now you can all go and pass your English lessons and you can all get A's, I hope. God uses metaphors to help explain things that we would struggle to understand otherwise. And I am so grateful for it. I really like a metaphor and I use them all the time. In fact, I see life in metaphors. So, um, but what I love is that God makes it simple for us. And some of the many metaphors in the Bible, quite a few of them can be found in John chapter 10. So... Let's play Spot the Metaphor. <laughs> How many can you find in the next passage? And feel free to be counting silently if you want to. Okay, John 10 verses 1 to 15. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger will not follow, they will not follow, sorry, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers." This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Did anyone actually count? Because if you did, feel free to shout a number at me of metaphors you found. Okay, now I'm not counting any specific metaphor more than once. So, for example, sheep comes up a lot and shepherd comes up several times. So, um, but yes, I mean, it definitely could be. I counted and... Yes, well, I decided to not to spend a lot of time on it. I didn't have a lot of time this week. So I went between 8 and 11 and I would... I, I think, yes, yes. So... Um, we can talk about it later if you're interested. I do love English language. I do love language. Um, okay, so to be honest, that passage is so rich in metaphor, we could spend months on that one passage. So don't worry, we're not going to do that. Today, we're going to concentrate on one metaphor, and it's this one. John 10, verse 7. 
I am the door of the sheep. Just like onions and ogres, this metaphor has several layers. We humans are represented by the sheep, which um, is helpless, foolish creatures who need a shepherd to protect them. And Jesus is the door. He is literally the entry portal to the sheepfold, which is the safe haven of the sheep. Jesus is the only way to enter the place of protection and rest. So this is what we're looking at in this metaphor, okay? But to better understand this metaphor, it might help to understand the care and keeping of sheep that was common practice in Jesus' day. So overnight, the sheep would be kept in the sheepfold, and that was the safe place to sleep. The sheepfold mostly did not have a constructed door or gate across the opening. So the shepherd would lay across the opening, literally becoming the door. Because in this position, the shepherd can allow the sheep in and keep the wolves out to keep the sheep safe. Remember, in this metaphor, we are the sheep. The Skit Guys video we watched earlier mentioned how sheep are so dumb they might hurtle themselves off a cliff just because it's there. Well, I started to look into sheep a little bit, not as much as Quiddy has, but I looked into sheep. And actually, they're quite clever creatures. They're not as dumb as we all think they are, which is a relief for us all, I'm sure, as we are being compared to them by Jesus, who really knows sheep. Having said that, what the Skit Guy guy, and I'm sorry, I don't know his name, um... Uh, alluded to is a real situation that happened in Turkey. 1,500 sheep hurtled themselves off a cliff just because it was there and just because one went and so another went and so another went because the shepherds were having a sandwich and the shepherds weren't paying attention. Exactly. The hired hands who don't own the sheep, the ones who don't care and Jesus would never let that happen. So maybe we think, well, I'm not that dumb as to hurdle myself off a cliff along with everyone else. Yet truthfully, I'd like to offer for you that most of us are way dumber than those sheep. (laughs) Yes, I know you didn't come here to be insulted, but here you are. Be honest. (laughs) We often know something will not be good for us. We shouldn't press play on that film or flick through that magazine. We shouldn't pick up that biscuit or cake And we shouldn't watch that program. We shouldn't walk down the sweets and chocolate aisle of the supermarket or linger with that attractive person whilst keeping our spouse waiting or gossip or read that book or have that next drink. Yet we do it. Because in that moment, we feel like it. It feels good. And we have been programmed to heighten the importance of our feelings. Our society teaches us that there are no right or wrong feelings and that it is more healthy to give in to your feelings. I'd like to offer to you today that there are no right or wrong feelings and that I'm not saying that feelings are not important. In fact, they are important. It's okay to acknowledge them honestly. And I believe in many churches, people don't. And I don't think that's healthy, actually. It's okay to acknowledge your feelings and that you have them. But where I come against society is that they cannot be our guide. 
They are no good as a guide. In my experience, feelings are fickle. They're not too particular and will get you in a pickle, I'm sure. For example, I can feel really angry at someone and then learn one single piece of information and completely change that feeling to compassion. Now, if I had acted upon the anger, where would we be? Because I didn't have all the information. How dare I think that I know more than anything else? How dare I follow my feelings? My feelings will never guide me in the right direction. They'll just cause trouble. And truthfully, I'm learning this along with the rest of you. I'm struggling with it as much as the rest of you. In fact, that feeling that I have of anger that can quickly turn to compassion and have me in tears on the floor, maybe it's just me. Maybe it is the HRT. Truth be told, I do get all the feelings at the moment. Yes. I have it here, Mark. In brackets, it says, pray for Mark, please, everyone. <laughs> and I do, I literally say it at home. I go, I've got all the feelings. So I do understand how strong feelings can be. And I am not saying they need to be ignored. They need to be acknowledged and not guiding us. So feelings can be strong. The Bible says this about them. Jeremiah 17 verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things. It's talking about your feelings and that they lie, basically. Proverbs 4, 14 verse 12, there is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way to death. Proverbs 28 verse 26, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Now, to be fair to sheep, when they do something stupid, they don't have a human brain, so they are just acting on animal instincts. But I believe that humans have been given a little bit more than that. We have more than instincts to rely on. We have reasoning. We can evaluate our choices, and we can weigh up the pros and cons, and yet we still behave stupid. And like sheep, we still take the dumb action that leads to destruction simply because it presents itself as an opportunity in front of us. <laughs> so I think it is perfectly reasonable for humanity to be compared to sheep. Not that my opinion matters because it's God who did the comparison. So. But what I like about the sheep metaphor is it also helps us realise how we can wander and get lost so easily. Most of you know that I work with dogs and there's nothing pretty much more distressing than losing your dog. And many owners have had that experience, especially when they get to the adolescent stage and they realise that the world is far more interesting than you are. So, in my experience, dogs who have a good home, and even those who don't, sadly, do not mean to leave their owner. That is never, ever the purpose of them getting lost and leaving you. So if you have a dog that wanders, I want you to know they're not doing it on purpose. They don't want to leave you. Yes, I mean that. Even when they look directly at you, when you call their name, and they, they turn and go after the squirrel anyway. So I know some dog owners in the room are recognising that moment. <laughs> What they're doing in that moment is they're just giving into their natural instinct to chase. And in that moment, they don't believe there's more value in coming back to you than in the chase experience. The chase experience itself, not the catching of the squirrel, the chase is what fulfills their, their inner needs and wants. And so I hopefully train people to, uh, 
to show the dog that there's always more value in coming back to them. And it's not just by giving a treat, although it looks like that sometimes. In the same way, I really believe that sheep don't mean to leave their shepherd. I really do think that. I I love sheep. I love watching sheep. They make me feel calm and peaceful. I stand by the edge of hedges on holiday in Cornwall looking at sheep. And I just want to stay there. It's only because I've got a dog on the lead. I can't get any closer, really. I think what happens with a sheep is it just sees a piece of hedge and goes to eat it. Oh, and then there's a blade of grass and it goes to eat it. Oh, and there's that one over there. What's that over there? I'm going to go and eat that. And I think before it realises it, the sheep has hedged himself right away from the flock and finds himself in a completely different field. And we are the same. We follow a small trail of distractions. Each is innocent in their own right. There's nothing wrong with this one. There's nothing wrong with that one. There's nothing wrong with that one. But... If our focus is led by these small insignificant things, we have less and less focus on God. And soon we've wandered far enough that we can't focus on God anymore and we can't hear his voice any longer. Then when we find ourselves in that place, far from the shepherd, do we try and find our way back? Heck no. We're like the sheep. We're enjoying the field we're in. There's another bit of grass over there. There's a hedge over there. We're just, we're just enjoying where we're at. We've forgotten that we've wandered from the shepherd. Sheep don't know they are lost. Neither do the dogs, by the way. They're just happily, not, not at first, they're happily enjoying the flavours of the pastures around them. They're oblivious of the dangers that they are in as they become increasingly separated from the flock. And I believe that there are people hearing this today who did not know they were starting to get lost until maybe now. I've just been using metaphors and you're already feeling it. You know what your squirrel is. You know what your pieces of hedge are. I've been taking you and edging you further and further away. You can be lost and still be tuning into this broadcast. You can be lost and be in this room. Jesus declared that he is the door to the sheepfold. He's the way in. Jesus literally laid his life down to become the doorway to God. And if you notice in John 10, Jesus said he was the good shepherd. And I think that the best picture of that is found in Psalm 23. And I'm going to read the whole of it to you because... We should know it. A lot of us know it off by heart. And can I just say, it is probably the very best part of the whole Bible. You want to know God? Read Psalm 23. You want to know your relationship with God? Read Psalm 23. So, let's read Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He lays me, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. 
my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you know, I honestly love that. Speak it to yourself, read it to yourself over and over It's so amazing when you start to understand each of those. And over my lifetime, each of those sections of it have been important at different times. But have you ever wondered why his rod and staff are comforting? Let me just quickly mention the rod and staff are sticks, basically. Um, One is to tap the sheep to kind of keep keep the sheep on the path and stop wandering away. Over here, over here. And the other one has a hook on the end to literally hook around the sheep's neck and pull it out of trouble, out of the hedge or off the cliff it's about to go hurtling off. That doesn't sound very comfortable. And yet, your rod and staff comfort me. And I had a revelation of this just recently. These sticks are so comforting because they are evidence of the shepherd being that close to you. That's amazing. He is just that close that he can tap you, that he can hook you. A dark valley is not so impossible when you realise he's right there with you. He's helping you. He's keeping you safe and guiding you through it. Now, perhaps you have been feeling separated from the flock. Or perhaps you've actually found yourself separated from the shepherd and you feel unsettled right now and unsafe and there's churning on the inside. And yes, feelings are fickle, but they do also tell us a lot of information, which is why I said you need to acknowledge them. (laughs) Perhaps your spirit has awakened to the fact that Jesus is more than a Christmas baby or a religious icon. And the fact that there's so much more to him and so much more of him to experience personally, you've actually been feeling unsettled as Christmas approaches and the nonsense of the season without a meaningful faith starts to be hard to ignore. And that is my mother's testimony. And that is why my mum became a Christian. Because she started to feel unsettled by the season that she didn't have any faith in. And there was an unsettling that drove her to church to try and figure out if there was more. Or perhaps you are finding your Christmas right now wrapped in worries. I told you there were puns. Your Christmas is wrapped in worries over finance and fuel prices. And the peace of God is actually the last thing you feel right now. And you're not even sure if there's going to be turkey on the table this Christmas. Or maybe, and I know this is true for some people in the room, other reasons are there for that unsettled lack of peace deep within. You know, Christianity is not a religion with a bunch of rites and rituals. There's only one way to get in with God, Feelings are fickle, but to feel safe, you need to know you are safe and secure and that someone is watching over you. And that is what Jesus does for us. He is the door, the one who lets us in and keeps the wolves out. He is the good shepherd, the one whose guidance comforts us and whose goodness and mercy follow us. And when it says that it means hunt us down, his goodness and mercy will follow you. Luke 2 verse 14, we read, um, Dave read it for us earlier. The heavenly host declared this, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
Many Christmas cards declare peace on earth. And yes, it's a good prayer. Of course we want peace on earth. But the angel's promise was that peace was available to those with whom he is pleased. The only reason that there's not peace on earth is the problem of sin. Romans 8 verse 22 says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. From the day of the fall, creation has been groaning. The whole earth is without peace. You know, a seed doesn't even grow into a fruit tree without being buried, then breaking open and pressing through to overcome the dark soil above it. Nature is not peaceful. You know, it makes us feel peaceful when we look at nature, doesn't it? But nature itself is not peaceful. Watch a nature documentary. The natural order of things is that there's a lot of striving and difficulty and fighting and pressing through tough stuff to accomplish life. You see, God sent Jesus as the restorer of peace to to settle what had gone wrong at the fall. And the heavens declared glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. God is not pleased. And it's interesting that Mark read the wrong bit of Isaiah because God is that God too. And God is not pleased. He is not pleased with those who reject his son Jesus. And I don't know why I'm getting angry about it, but I am. Because we've got to stop thinking, oh yeah, we're all going to heaven and oh bless you. You died and you're going to heaven. It's not. I'm sorry. It's not true. Okay. He is not pleased with those who reject his son Jesus. So there will be no peace for that person who rejects Jesus. Peace on earth What we want from our Christmas cards is literally only possible when every knee bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. But I'll tell you who God is pleased with. Good. God is pleased with those who enter his presence through Jesus, the door. He's right there. He he didn't make it difficult. He said, I'm here to let you in and keep the wolves out. It's that simple. The big message of Christianity is that Jesus makes us pleasing to God. That's the whole message of Christianity. We complicate it. It's not complicated. We are pleasing to God because we walk through Jesus. And as we walk through Jesus and his sacrifice, basically all of our nasty parts that would make us unpleasing are removed because he swaps his goodness for our badness. Without Jesus, we cannot enter God's presence. The sheepfold is God's presence. So you cannot have peace outside the sheepfold. The wolves of worry are prowling and devouring the sheep out there. You cannot have peace trying to gain access to the sheepfold in your own strength because there is no other entry than through Jesus, which means you can't do it. You can only come to him and go, can I come in? And do you know what he says? Every single time, every person who comes to him says, I'd like to come in. He always says, come on in. He never ever says, no, not you. He says, come on in. Because when you come to him, that's your way in. That's it. You just come up to the door, to Jesus. Let me be clear, without passing through Jesus the door, 
you will be outside the sheepfold and vulnerable to wolves. There is no peace outside the sheepfold. However, inside the sheepfold, and it really occurred to me this, it really doesn't matter how many wolves bark and howl around us and you will still hear them and you might still see them. Because you know what? We're with the shepherd who will always lead us through the difficult and scary times. Psalm 23 isn't just a nice song or poem. It's not just the opening of the Vicar of Dibley program. It literally is the best way to understand the relationship between God and humanity. So everything in it is true. He leads us beside still waters. He takes us through the valley of the shadow of death. Yes, it's dark and it feels scary, but he takes us through and he comforts us by being right alongside us. Jesus, the baby who was born in a stable and visited by shepherds, came from heaven to earth to provide a way back to the Father, to shepherd his sheep and guide them to safety. Jesus is the one doorway to heaven. All who find themselves wandering away and in the wrong field can easily turn and return through Jesus. It's that easy. Just choose to walk through the door. And that's why the shepherd lays at the doorway, at the entrance. He lays there because he knows some sheep still need to come in. Some sheep have still wandered away and he's waiting for them. He is right there letting them in and hoping they will find their way back to safety. Come on in, I'm right here, he says. Today, if you want in on the sheepfold, that's the safekeeping presence of God. Whether it's the first time you've said, I want in on the sheepfold, or if you are returning to the sheepfold, please pray this prayer with me now. And I'm going to have it on screen and I'm going to say it. And yeah, I just wrote it down how it came to me. But what I want you to do is be either praying it in your heart, in your mind and applying it to yourself, okay? You don't have to pray it out loud if you don't want to. Though I think there's something very powerful in declaring out loud that you want in. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. You literally lay down your life to become a door for me to enter the everlasting presence of God. Jesus, you make me pleasing to God and I accept it with a big thank you. Lord, be my shepherd. Keep me safe. Give me peace. Guide me and comfort me. I trust that your goodness and mercy will follow me all of the days of my life and I will live with you forever. Amen. Amen.